Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Hey, everybody, this is Shane Claiborne, and I'm so glad you could listen in on the show. I, I've been trying to record new shows every week. Um, we're on Premier Radio. We're also podcasting as Red Letter Christians. And one of the things that I get to do is have guests to talk with that uh, inspire me every day, that also um, show me um, and, and show all of us what faith looks like connected to the world that we live in right now. And I've really been looking forward to an excuse to hang out with Kelly Lattimore. <laughs> um, uh, he is an incredible artist uh, together with his partner, and they've got um, all kinds of friends that they work with. But I've got Kelly's artwork um in my home, I've got it in our raw tool shop where we chop up guns. He made this uh, just epic um, rendition of Jesus breaking a gun over his knee that was inspired by an uh, older image of Otto Pancock. And I've been learning about iconography. Some of y'all, that might be a new word, but uh, we're going to hear all about it today from Kelly. So thanks for joining me, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that that kind of what brought us together in a minute, this new image that uh, you, you've been creating in the last week or so, like uh, kind of around the clock uh, for our friends um, that are in Gaza. Um, but first, I think, like, just tell us a little bit about how you found your way into this particular art form of creating icons. And you probably need to tell people what <laughs> <laughs> that that little history of what you know where we get the idea of an icon and uh what it means but yeah uh, yeah well yeah well again thanks for having me and um well yes yeah, so i grew up in chicago i'm a pk pastor's kid uh i was always kind of dueling all over the bulletins and everything as my dad was preaching um but it wasn't really till uh i went to school for art and religion which ended up working out perfectly somehow but um after school, I went to uh, I went to Athens. I kind of had a choice to move back in with my parents or move to Ohio with my best friend. So obviously, I chose to move to Ohio. And while I was there, I met a, uh, Paul and Sarah Clever, who had started a, a food pantry farm, but also a community called the Common Friars. Um, and it was a community of men and women, single couples. Uh, and I, I joined the community and joined in the mission of the place, which was this food pantry farm, growing uh, food for food pantries in southern Ohio, which uh, we really found ourselves in a place that was very food insecure. The poverty rate was very high. And so, but we had a weekly meals and a way to uh, share food with people, and, uh, uh, but also growing food together. But it was a beautiful place, and I like to think my spirituality is kind of more about transcendence, almost like Jesus and I versus the world growing up, mm. but really like doing that work of like weeding a bed of carrots next to a stranger and like waking up at six and milking a cow and like sharing food with people. It just like showed me that it's much more about like communion and embodiment and engagement 
the way that we use things of the utmost spiritual significance, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but so that then connected with, I, I, with making art, I was making art and music, but it was during this time, my father, Tom was a member of the community. He had asked me, you know, had he ever tried painting icons and I hadn't. And so I got really curious and I did what all kind of artists do, black and black for specifically, they just started tracing and tracing over the old images and, uh, St. Francis and the face of Christ and Mary and uh, did that for a, a while until it's kind of putting the puzzle pieces together. I was really contemplating uh, my first original icon and I ended up basing it off of something that my, my best friend Paul used to say as we're kind of uh, growing food uh, and, and wanting to be in right relationship with our community and our neighbors, but also the earth. How do we be, as Jesus would say, how do we consider the lilies of the field? Mm. So that became the focus of my first original icon, which is called Christ Consider the Lilies. Now, um, it was wasn't a it was a good first try. It wasn't a great icon. Um, the line, if you see it, the lines are shaky. Uh, Jesus almost looks surprised the lilies are in his hand. Um, but what was really beautiful about it is that. The, despite that, the community really embraced it mm-hmm. and put it on the wall in our, our little chapel area. But it really that what that did is it really showed me um, how art can be a placeholder, not only for our, our thought and our prayer, but also our action. And that really just kind of gets at the stem to what I think iconography and, and why I like it. It's a very communal art. And, you know, so what is an icon? It, it's really like, they. it's called a window to God. Icon literally is Greek for image. And then Greek someone for image. Hmm. Greek yeah. for image, and then uh, iconographer would be an image writer. Um, it was really something that they, you know, as the Western Church kind of leaned towards uh, architecture and stained glass, the Eastern Orthodox Church really embraces uh, icons and the halo, the nimbus, kind of showing. Um, when you see a halo on something, you tend to notice. <laughs> but yeah. you know that was really kind of the highlight as a window to God or a saint or someone who lived life of compassion. Um, and so really it's for me, I've now been doing this 13 years is that I get to kind of, uh, enter into these conversations about what uh, communities want and images that they want and kind of do this, what what I call holy pondering of new images of Christ and the Mm -hmm. saints, um, kind of then try to take those metaphors and those symbols that are in iconography and old images and kind of bring them into uh, the present in a new way. And so that's how we got started. And that, yeah, that's, you yeah. need to do it. So. And so 13 years, I mean, you got any idea, like even roughly how many specifically kind of icon images you've done? I think we're, I'm at around 90. 90. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, you see them everywhere. Once y'all, you know, go to Kelly Lattimore's website and you check these out, Kelly Lattimore icons, right.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can see uh, these images there. They, they've really made their way around. And I think part of it, right, is that you um, I don't think it's even really that subtle that you like are building on hundreds of years of like a, of a art history and a way of creating these. But you've also kind of got your own um, sassy edge, you know, of a commentary <laughs> and um, and but there's a touch like kind of a modern touch of that. Right. And I, I'm, I'm curious how you find that that integration you know some of them might be a little bit more on the um, modern side or a little bit more on the like old school but you know each one I guess you're kind of figuring it out huh yeah I mean it is and it's just like a broad kind of a long history of um, 
yeah, of that art form, specifically iconography, but also of, uh, like uh, artists kind of t- taking from that that form and kind of retranslating it to like see Christ in a new way or to see the the saints, you know, that were a part of their community. I mean, that just comes to mind as this really beautiful piece. It's it's called the Madonna Scroll. It's in the Field Museum in Chicago, but they don't know who painted it, but it was a Chinese artist painted this Madonna and child on silk. And they think he saw an icon, it's Pope Francis's favorite icon of Romani Pope, I can't say it, but it's a mother and child. It's mm. really old from the fourth century. And they think that this Chinese artist saw it somehow in the 17th century, but he repainted it on silk, but he painted Jesus and Mary as Chinese. So again, he's kind of taking this kind of old form, but like carrying it to something that, you know, people in his community would recognize. And so, I mean, that's kind of a simple version, a beautiful, simple version of that. But I think for me, a lot of the focus on the work that Evie and I, my partner Evie and I collaborate on is really trying to take some of these old forms of Christ, mother and child, and also the Holy Family, and kind of those symbols, and those metaphors and forms and kind of carry them into the present in a new way where they're made new. Um, and so really the first image that I, I was kind of a Luddite for a while. I didn't put anything online, but we, during the 2016 election, when there was this, all this rhetoric around anti-stranger, anti-immigrant week, my partner, Evie said, you know, what, what kind of an image could we do to really kind of address some of this, this conversation that's happening. It's just so sad in our country. And, and what we decided to do is to create the whole uh, image of the Holy family crossing the desert at night, which we ended up calling the sacred familia. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it did. It was one of those things that it immediately um, we're, we're grateful, but connect people connected to, but it was also a lot of pushback um, from, from people on that image. And, um, and it, it just, this was really interesting kind of the dialogue conversation that came out of that, like, uh, during that specific icon, but those, that's just an example of kind of the, the work that um, we're really focused on doing now. Um, They're so powerful. I mean, even the art, you know, I'm surrounded by art. I've got it in my office here. I've got like uh, pieces friends of mine have made. I've also like, I'm looking across the street as we're recording. We've got these, you know, giant murals, 40 feet high. You know, we painted dozens and dozens of these. I've got a, 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 a fake Banksy on my wall. It's a, you know, a <laughs> counterfeit, but, uh, you know, these two kids standing on a pile of bombs and weapons and holding a little heart balloon, you know, it's a classic Banksy piece. It does say yeah. at the bottom, thanks Banksy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, but then down the block, we've got one that uh, the kids painted all the bottom in pastels. And then we superimpose like this um, darker green that creates like a silhouette, you know, and, um, and then it's, it's, it's the more like, overtly theological one of of our paintings but it's got like a lion lamb and dove all together and a rolled away stone and this kind of resurrection the tomb is empty kind of party going on but one of my neighbors this is what this made me think of you is um it was it's a really hard corner we've had a lot of lives lost there to gun violence and Mm. i mean not not too long ago um it was actually an assault rifle that was used and 39 rounds in less than a minute, two people were killed in that, that particular shooting. And this one, one neighbor of mine, she said, every time I see the mural, she said, it's like a stained glass window. And, you know, she was saying it's, it's like our own version of like those old icons, right. That is kind of reminding us that God is, is with us and, and that, you know, life is more powerful than death, you know, that, that, 
the, the devil won't win, you know, <laughs> she right. said it. but it's, you know, it's, it's a way of thinking about public art. And in some ways you're, you're, there's lots of different forms that I think art is prophetic, but yours is certainly doing that. And I mean, are there any other images that you you've created kind of particularly with a pulse on something that's happening right now that has shaped how you kind of image make the image? Yeah. Well, um, in two, in 2020, after tragic death of George Floyd and everything that was going on in the country, the pandemic and the protests. And I mean, when my partner, Evie and I saw that video, I mean, it just broke us apart. And as so many as everyone else and, um, Abby said, we have to, they're, they're in our community and the conversations that are going on. What is an image that we, again, we could do kind of address what's happening. Like this is, and uh, we talked with a lot of people for a long time and Abby came up with the idea of a Pieta. And, um, and so we ended up calling that piece mama. And, mm-hmm. um, and so Christ, uh, Mary holding a, a Christ figure that happens to resemble, look, look like George Floyd. I got a lot of questions during that time we did, you know, is it George Floyd or Jesus? And the most faithful answer we could come up with was yes. (laughs) And that frustrated the heck out of a lot of people. Um, But with that piece originally, you know, we, we had had the eyes turned to the the figure like the traditional way, but Abby had rightly so suggested to turn them to face the viewer again say, you know, what are we going to do so this doesn't keep happening? And mm. I think that image, again, it was a lot, there's a lot of pushback to it. Um, you know, it is Christ, but it also, as, you know, St. Teresa of Calcutta said, you know, Christ in distressing disguise, that he's to be yeah. found in those who suffer in least of these and, and, and suffer just as George Floyd did, so therefore it is also George Floyd. So, you know, that question, that dualistic question is fine for the sake of conversation, but not for the truth. And the pushback that we saw was stolen. There was a print of it stolen from Catholic University of America twice. Um, the president there could have had like wow. a really important conversation with that college community, but he kind of like backslid. And uh, we just kind of saw just kind of the ugly head of, of things and how so often with, with racism in our country, like we just, we often are like Peter in the gospel, like instead of standing with Christ and his suffering, we like, uh, when with hard questions come, we just run away and act like he doesn't exist, you know? And um, yeah, so that, I think that piece is another one that really uh, I think was important and uh, to see the conversations that have happened because of that, uh, I think has also been really interesting and important as well. Yeah. If you're just uh, tuning in um, the voice you've been hearing is Kelly Lattimore, who is uh, an incredible artist, iconographer, um, and we have um, been collaborating on a piece that we'll talk about in just a minute. But um, I, I was thinking of some of the like more classic iconographers. I've met a few of them at conferences, you know, and things on liturgy. Because, you know, when we created this book, Common Prayer, we were both trying to build on the sacred, ancient ways of praying that are hundreds of years old, the liturgy of the church. And right. we've got you know, 50 songs in the back of it that range from like hundreds of years old, you know, hymns to um, newer stuff. Although there's not a lot of like contemporary Christian songs because the copyright costs so much. But anyway, we we didn't need a lot of those. But anyway, you know, we've got some great songs. Um, But we also created, we had an Orthodox artist that created all of those um, images that are in common prayer. There's one each month that were original um, images. But, you know, as you encounter some of these... um, 
artists do they uh, do 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 they uh, enjoy your kind of new take on iconography, or is it uh, a little mixed bag, or what? When when you it, kind of meet these older older maybe older iconographers. Yeah, it's definitely a mixed bag. Uh, there's people that really appreciate it. There's some that like, it's not following, um, you know, tradition and <laughs> or if, the tradition closely enough. But I think it's really interesting. It's just like, it kind of gets into, I think the conversations that are, I'm less interested in like the, the tradition of it, but how it like changes us now yeah. and like how it is going to help us to see and help each other to see. Mm-hmm. I think like I, I ask this question all the time, like, what is our church art for? Like, yeah. is it glorified wallpaper or can actually be something that like changes us and causes the conversations and all these things you've been talking about? And, you know, unfortunately, like in America, we've locked Jesus into one image, a white, blonde haired, blue eyed man. And for the early iconographers, that's unfortunately, that's the Christ that they also interpreted in being in Europe and in and, and these places. So I think there's just there's a lot of conversations about the the art form again. Really is meaningful to me. I respect iconographers that you know they really are writing the lines. You don't deviate. But yeah. I think for me, it's I think there's really a, a lot of really important conversations about representation happening in the church as as a whole. And um, you know, I think that, that I'm willing to push uh, the lines, <laughs> change the lines a little bit in a way that I think. I'm really hearing a lot of conversations how other artists that are doing this as well are. are really wanting to they're noticing needs to happen um and and at this current time so i love it i mean even when we you know when we were creating the prayer book we uh we recognize people that are you know officially recognized as saints like francis and claire of assisi and you know so many others Uh, but then we also recognize folks that we think have had massive influence um you know, on on our faith and our um, exemplary models of of living with love and compassion and justice. So there's folks with a, a big S and a little S, and you kind of paint those same folks. You've got <laughs> images of Dr. King, and you know, actually the the um, um, James Baldwin, the original picture of that God is love. You know, you've created yes. the icon for yeah. it. My friend Steve Shapiro took that picture, so I've got oh like, I've got the black and white of that uh, original picture. He passed away That's just like a couple of years ago, but I, 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 it's I, wild, right? How all these things crazy. overlap, right? And it's right. like our art kind of has a life, and it it um it, it's evolving, right? Like you're building on someone else's work, and that's kind of what it seems like what what we're all doing, right? Yeah, I mean, I think and when the saints, I I like like to say. I mean, I'm not a theologian, but I'm definitely like training myself how to see. For what I can see, the first thousand years of the church, it was local congregations picking their saints. And it was like someone you knew, and which I think is so powerful. But then the Pope came along and said, no, it's going to be my job. <laughs> and it failed to be people that you knew, knew. And so I think there's like people, though, like Mr. Rogers or like John Lewis or, you know, some look mm. at people that have, have like done some pretty amazing things that it's not saying something about the entirety of their life, but like they fought against injustice. Like Miss the uh, John Lewis walking across Evan Pettis bridge and then getting beat ahead and then coming back the next day. Like that's a miracle. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's something that's more tangible and real rather than kind of up in the clouds for me for some of these people, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's a good way of thinking of it. I mean, even my friends, when they talk about the misconceptions of, you know, Catholics and others of praying with the saints is like, actually, we kind of think of them as friends. You know, you have pictures yeah. of your family, you have pictures of your friends. And when you're saying pray for us, it's like you're just asking them for their prayers. You don't believe that they're dead. You believe that, you know, we raise, we rise from the dead. And so when you're asking people to pray with us, it's like saying to a friend, hey, can you pray for me? You know, my mom's in exactly. the hospital. And like, uh, it's not not too different from that, that to have a a view of prayer that transcends generations and history and geography and says, we've got a cloud of witnesses that are with us in this present moment. So yeah. anyway, we okay. should, we should, we, I, I could talk to you forever and, 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 and but we got to talk about what brought us together this week. And so the backdrop of this y'all is I've obviously admired Kelly's work for uh, a long time and um, felt really connected, even though we've, we've never really been together in person. I don't think have we um, no, no. as close as we've gotten. And, um, but um, as we watch things unfold in um, uh, Gaza, the, the, the just unimaginable suffering um, that's happening there. We now, as we're recording this, there's over 20,000 documented lives that have been lost. And that's just the ones that we know the names of and have documented. There's, you know, over 8,000 of those are children. And, you know, we, we see it, we see the hospitals, the schools that have been bombed, the churches, even the missionaries of charity, mother Teresa's convent that was bombed. And uh, it's hard to know what you can do. And so we've been doing everything that we know to do to amplify and stand in solidarity with our Palestinian Christian friends and, and folks beyond Christian, but particularly for those of us Christian in this moment to realize that we have roots in this land. Um, some of the oldest Christian churches are in Gaza and the West Bank. And um, and so we've, we've uh, had a, a conversation with Mitri Raheb, one of the most uh, widely published Palestinian theologians in the world, and Munther Isaac, we've done multiple events together. And one of the things that Munther said, when he was asked, where is God in this violence, in this war? Munther said, God is under the rubble. And then as Christmas approached in Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus, and their Lutheran church, they created a nativity that this year is in the rubble. Christ and the Holy Family are in the rubble of the ruins of, of war. Um, and so that is what kind of created a conversation that we're, we're broadcasting a sermon or some of it. Uh, you, you may have to watch the video of it if you listen later to this, this recording, but uh, Munther's delivering a sermon, uh, Christ in the rubble from Bethlehem uh, during Christmas week. But then we started saying, what can we do together? And came up with this idea of creating an image inspired by that idea that God is in the rubble, Jesus is under the rubble um, this season to celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace, but also to grieve the lives lost in Gaza. Um, so that's that's what brought us together, right, man? And um, yeah. we we've got some video of the image. This is you know a podcast, so it's a little like uh, <laughs> it's not climactic, <laughs> but we revealed this image, and um, you can see it. It's it's going to be you know getting out there. Um, 
And we're also uh, sending signed print copies uh, that Kelly is signing copies of uh, the this limited edition print run of the icon. Uh, and uh, for every gift of $100 or more that's given, um, we're sending all of that relief to our friends um, in the West Bank that'll be using it for Gaza relief. So, um, but talk a little bit about the image, man, and, and what, what you made. Yeah, well, thank you. And I, um, so in 2008, I did go to Palestine uh, with CPT, Christian Peacemaker teams, and that experience and the people that I met there and through that was um, life-changing. And when, you know, Shane, Shane, uh, we've, I've been thinking about them since October 7th. I mean, mm. I usually do, but with everything going on um, in, in uh, Gaza and Palestine and Israel. And I, so those images, those faces immediately came to mind when Shane asked if this is something we could do. Um, but again, I, I really connected to it. Um, Evie and I both, my, my partner, Evie, and the, the same thing we, we were just talking about. Again, taking the kind of the the Holy Family and the forms, but like carrying it to, uh, forward into the present um, where we can kind of see it and respond in a way that's something that we unfortunately are now seeing uh, right before our very eyes um, with um, what's going on in Gaza and the, and the bombing and violence is just awful. And so again, it was trying to, again, take, a monther's words with the, the the holy family under the rubble, um, you know, taking these forms, the buildings they are falling. There's, um, you know, may, many pieces of it. Again, it looks like an icon, but really uh, in the modern context. And um, you know, it's, I hope that the people that see these this image, um, they they can uh, be able to have some really important conversations uh, that can come from this. But. Yeah, and you can find it on our website, redletterchristians.org, um, and also how to donate to the Gaza Relief. And um, and we're going to keep teaming up, man. Uh, and, you know, when when I told people that we were jumping online, they're like, I've never even seen Kelly's face. I've seen all of his artwork, but <laughs> he doesn't do much stuff like this. So thanks for taking the time out. And um, tell people how they can uh, see the image or get the, the the image that you've made and all the other artwork that you've done. Tell them your website. Yep, I'm on uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and all that. Our, our website is KellyLattimoreIcons.com, and you can yeah. find everything there. So. Awesome, y'all. So yeah. we, we need co-conspirators and friends, and uh, icon means image, right? And uh, yep. But the co-conspirator means to breathe with, and that's what we've been mm -hmm. doing is breathing together, you know, and also like praying and breathing and standing with our friends uh, who are suffering right now. So much yes. violence. So let's keep doing it, y'all. Thank you, my brother, for taking yeah. a little time. Kelly Lattimore, our guest today. And uh, join us at Red Letter Christians. And we we need a movement of artists and songwriters and preachers and all like school teachers and gardeners and contractors all doing the holy work of God in the world. So I'm grateful for my brother here for using his gifts in a way that um, address the suffering of other folks. So thank you, bro. Yeah. Thank you too, Shane. Thanks for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. 
But at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.